You're listening to the Touchdown Under podcast with Emilian and Jack, bringing you NFL news and insight from Down Under. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Touch Down Under podcast. I'm Jack, your host, and as always, I'm joined by Emilian. Hey, Jack. Hey, everyone listening. Uh, what a week of NFL. This was, I think, going into this Monday for us or Sunday back in the States. One of the more anticipated weeks, a lot of matchups, a lot of storylines, a lot of players play, playing against their former teams, which we'll get into. Um, really exciting thing, uh, exciting weekend. I think the late, late window was one of the better ones this season. Yeah, absolutely. It was a really intriguing slate of games coming in. And for the most part, it did not disappoint Emilian. Um, we are back in the studio recapping week 13 of the 2022-23 NFL season. And um, as we keep pointing out, it's getting down to the wire now, Amelia, in terms of the playoff picture. Um, obviously, plenty of games to go over again this week. Why don't we start it off with TNF action between the Patriots and Bills, the two AFC East foes going at it at Foxborough. But it was the Bills who won 24-10 to 10. We're, we're, uh, with the Patriots looking uninspiring offensively um, as we've come to expect over the uh, recent weeks. We saw Patriots quarterback Mac Jones um, express his frustrations quite visibly, <laughs> as was picked up um, on video. We, we saw him mouth some um, choice words about the Patriots' lackluster running game, but I think you'll agree, Millen, when we say that um, uh, for most of this season it's been the running game that's kind of helped power that offense, which has been largely let down by the play of Mac Jones and whoever's been lining up at quarterback. Yeah, look, I mean, I think both parties are to blame. I think it's both the poor play of Mac Jones and the abysmal play calling of Matt Patricia. Like, I don't think either one of them are very proficient and they're not fulfilling their roles or, you know, their duties as they should. And it results into this incredibly underwhelming performance from an offense that on paper should at least be putting up more points or at least be looking a little better especially considering this is a team that made the playoffs last year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's very clear. I mean, it's been clear for a while, but it's definitely clear that the Patriots' offense misses Josh McDaniels and what he brings or what he brought to that offense. Specifically, um, while we've seen with the Raiders that McDaniels hasn't been that great at you know controlling an entire team, he was really good um, within that offense. But I think it also speaks volumes about Mac Jones and the fact that we're quickly seeing that he can't really elevate an offense on his own. Yep. Obviously, play calling is one thing, but you would hope as a fan that he could make some plays you know, on his own to help elevate that offense, but he hasn't been able to for the most part, and it's cost the Patriots to the point where they're now last, or they're, they're still last in the division at 6-6, six and six, despite a New York Jets loss. Now, onto the early window. We'll kick it off with one of the more irrelevant games, I would say, of the morning um, for us. It was pay, uh, the Atlanta Falcons at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers won 19-16 to in a fairly low-scoring game. Emilian, I know you didn't watch any of the early window. I did, but I did not really watch any of this game at all. And when it came on red zone, I kind of tuned out Scotty Hansen for those few seconds. Um, do you have much to say about this one? Uh, no, nah, all I saw was the Minka Fitzpatrick interception to essentially end the game. Uh, look, that Steelers defense is still a really good squad. It's just being very clearly let down by the very underwhelming offense. Uh, we've 
we've talked about Kenny Pickett enough. Najee Harris is not having a good year, and the receivers are, leave, are leaving a lot left to be desired, apart from George Pickens, who has the occasional, you know, really cool play. But he's not being consistent enough to really elevate this offense to the point where it needs to be to make this team a competitive team. Yep. Absolutely right. Um, the only noteworthy thing I can think of about this game and is, is the Falcons and the fact that they are still tied in terms of wins with the first place Buccaneers in the NFC South. And we'll be hoping that um, once they have their bye, that the Buccaneers lose their next two games um, to have any chance of remaining you know, with a shot to win the NFC South. Other than that, yeah, we know all about the um, Pittsburgh Steelers and their struggles offensively, so there's not much to say there, but they get a pretty meaningless win. Funnily enough, if the Buccaneers lose tomorrow against the Saints, the Saints are now at five wins as well, and they'll also be competing for a spot at first. Even the Panthers, they're right now on four wins. Like that, We've, we've talked about this. but yeah, like, We said last week, it's a new the, NFC East. The Falcons much. are hoping the Saints win, but at the same time, it's like that's not good for them either. So yeah. it's a lose-lose scenario for the Falcons. They need to start winning games. Bears-Packers, a battle between two old foes. The Packers won 28-19, taking them to the... Oh, they now have the mantle of the most winningest, winningest team in NFL history. Obviously, I believe that's subject to change over these next few years, but um, I thought Justin Fields played quite well in his return from injury, but this was a pretty expected result, in my opinion, just due to the fact that the Bears are missing so many starters on the defensive side of the ball and just generally even before that um, that there just is a severe lack of talent around fields but I am expecting it to change drastically um, with their upcoming draft hand and salary cap yeah I don't have much to say about either of, the, or either of these teams is both like some of the worst teams in the NFL currently um, obviously there's a brighter future in Chicago than in Green Bay <laughs> Um, as for the Packers, I mean, Aaron Rodgers still owns the Bears, no matter which way you want to look at it. Uh, he's, he keeps winning against them, and you can't change that right now. Justin Fields did play well. I saw his uh, massive run for a touchdown. That was He's always impressive on the run. Um, and, you know, his receivers did make some really good plays. There were some really, you know, no, like really fun plays to watch in the passing game, even though it doesn't show up on the stat sheet. He didn't throw any touchdowns. He threw two picks. It's not his fault. Like, he still played a really good game. The running game, uh, Dave Montgomery still doing his thing. But yeah, the Packers um, just come from behind victory for them. Uh, Feel-good story. You know, they get to claim that title of winning his team in the NFL. Cool. <laughs> exactly, exactly. There's not much to say about it because I think they'll lose it um, in the new future, but that's a different story. The Packers moved to 5-8. and eight. Um, Half a game behind the Detroit Lions. They still look well and truly out of things in terms of playoffs. Eagles-Titans, interesting game here in um, A.J. Brown's first game against uh, the Titans since being traded to the Eagles. And in what was a pretty unexpected result, in my opinion, the Eagles thrashed Tennessee at home 35-10. I thought this was going to be a pretty close game. Um, Mike Vrabel has shown in uh, previous seasons that he his teams are quite good as underdogs and usually keep it close. And I was expecting a close encounter here, but it's not to be... Um, with the Eagles just owning the Titans, just the offense is doing whatever they pleased. And the Titans' defense, which has been so impressive um, for you know the entire season, essentially, um, was a real letdown today and could not stop the Jalen Hurts-led offense. Um, and Derrick Henry could not get much going on the ground either, which did not help the Titans' offense, who obviously were not impressive at all. 
In terms of Jalen Hurts, really quickly, though, I think that he may just have taken a step ahead in the MVP race. This is a really good win for his resume, going up against a more than solid defense and just doing whatever he wanted, dropping 35 points, did the Eagles offense. And I think it, yeah, I reckon it just about puts him ahead. Yeah, especially since his, the, I would say, front-runner prior to this game would have been Patrick Mahomes. And we saw how Mahomes did against this, this very same Titans defense at home. And it wasn't too impressive. And you see Jalen Hurst just coming in and absolutely dismantling this uh, defense piece by piece. Um, yeah, he's playing really, really well. Uh, it's just a really good offense, well-balanced. Obviously, you've got a great running back in Miles Sanders, a great receiver in A.J. Brown. Devontae Smith had a great day as well. Um, so when everyone's on their date, this offense is borderline unstoppable because of all the weapons and all the different dynamics and play calls possible. And obviously, that defense is still very stout with um, a lot of veterans and young talent. Yep, and Hurts and the Eagles made sure to get A.J. Brown involved against his old team. He was very dynamic. Um, he had two receiving touchdowns and over 100 yards in a day. So he was yeah. um, very instrumental in that win. Yeah. Lions-Jaguars in Detroit. This was, I think, definitely an unexpected result. I was, once again, thinking this was going to be a pretty close game. I did think it would be relatively high scoring, but I thought the Jags would put up a much better showing than this, especially coming off their big win against the Ravens last week, Emilian. Uh, yeah, absolutely. The Jags are just one of these teams that are just inconsistent. So they perform well one week and you think they're going to continue this, then they you know, they just don't live up to that performance at all and completely do a 180 on how they play and vice versa. The Lions have looked good in the last few weeks. So I think they were definitely unfortunate to lose some of those eight eight games, uh, seven. seven games, sorry. But they're showing what they can do when they're working. And as soon as they get that franchise QB, Jared Goff played excellent today, but everyone knows he's not the long-term answer at quarterback. They are going to be looking for a quarterback very soon. And once they find the right one, I see no reason why this team can't be competing for the top spot in the division and potentially for a Super Bowl years down the line. Because I think it's still probably maybe three, four years away. Yep, I agree. And Dan Campbell and the Lions, I think, have definitely gotten some redemption for those earlier losses, those close, devastating losses like you mentioned. Now, on to the Texans and Browns. Obviously, this was Deshaun Watson's homecoming of sorts, returning to Houston, where he used to play in his first game back after his uh, suspension to this point in the season. His Browns won 27-14. to but despite that high score, there was only, I believe, one offensive touchdown score the entire day. It was um, a lot of defensive and special teams touchdowns um, in Houston. It was a very weird game, but a, a, an outcome that I definitely expected, and I think you would agree. Yep. Uh, yeah, so Sean Watson is used to this. This game did indeed have a happy ending for him. But, yeah, the Texans just, I mean, it's the Texans. They're 1-10-1. and They're not a good team. And Sean Watson didn't even play well. Uh, no, <laughs> like at all. Like uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt really are, you know, carrying this offense right now. And I, I, I knew this was going to happen. Deshaun Watson wasn't going to take 700 days off of playing at a professional level and come in guns blazing and throw for four touchdowns. That's not going to happen. Yep. Um, obviously, he was going to have a rocky start to his return. I think it's going to continue this way. We'll see like marginal progress as the season draws near, uh, as the season draws to a close. Next season, I think this is where he'll start to get back in his old form and really play at that really high level. Yeah, I agree. Um, again, yeah, I don't think he was going to come in and, you know, dial it up from the get-go, even against a yep. terrible Texans defense. I think it'll take a few games at the very least for him to get his feet under him, but it was a good win. 
um, just for the brands to just get. And, you know, they could stage a bit of a rally towards the playoffs. We'll see. Um, I still don't think it's very likely. But with the Sean Watson at quarterback, we'll see how things go. Giants commanders in a good old-fashioned NFC East grudge match in New York, and it was a really tight one as we expected. It went to overtime, and not even overtime could split these two with both sides scoring 20 points and taking a tie away from this game, and it leaves a very interesting um, scene in the NFC East with... The Giants at seven four and one, and the Commanders at seven five and one. So these these teams, um, obviously the Eagles and Cowboys are shoe ins for playoffs now. But it's the Giants and Commanders who are going to be competing with teams like the Seahawks for those last few spots um, in the NFC. We will see how it all shakes out. But as of now, the Commanders remain outside of the picture, whilst the Giants and Cowboys remain inside of the Eagles. Yep, uh, these are going to be some very you know, tough weeks coming ahead for those three teams. So I think that these three teams are those final three, like, in the hunt teams. We've got, I think right now, the Cowboys and Eagles, they're making the playoffs for sure. The 49ers, I think, will make the playoffs. I know without Jimmy Garoppolo, we'll get to that in a bit. They're still a very strong team, and I think they have what it takes, and they've got enough wins right now. Um, then, obviously, we get that one NFC South team and, obviously, the Vikings. So the Seahawks, Giants, and Commanders are going to be fighting for that for those spots. And the Commanders are on a bye next week, so they have to hope that the Giants lose to the Eagles, which is a very real possibility, and the Seahawks lose to the Panthers at home, which shouldn't Not happen. Quite as much of a Shouldn't happen, but you never know. So, look, it's, it's up for grabs. Anyone can, um, anyone can take those spots. The Giants do have a re- really tough schedule ahead, though. They're facing the Eagles, um, the, the Vikings, um, the Colts. Like, none of those are like completely easy teams to beat. Uh, by any means. So it'll be fun to watch. It'll be a really interesting end to the season. I think today was definitely a game that the Giants really would have wanted to win. Um, Obviously, with that really uneasy kind of stretch coming up, they really would have wanted to get one at home um, against a division rival who they're competing with for a playoff spot. So I think out of these two teams, the Giants would be more disappointed with how it played out. Um, Even though both teams had a chance to win it in overtime, it was, I think, a fair enough result. Um, both teams, it was a fairly even game throughout, and that's kind of the result we got. Yeah, they play again in two weeks, and I think that could definitely play a factor in who makes the playoffs and who doesn't. 100%. Final game of the early window was the Ravens and Broncos. This one was a very uninteresting game to watch, um, but it had an interesting ending with the Ravens, um, who were down 9-3 to for a large portion of this game, came back and scored a late touchdown to win 10-9. to um, with Russell Wilson's Broncos once again disappointing offensively. Um, obviously, both these teams have really solid defences, and that you know showed up today. But both teams' offences have really struggled. Lamar Jackson, Jackson exited this game early on due to a uh, leg issue, which we're yet to really see the full extent of in terms of how much time he'll miss, with Tyler Huntley coming in and not really doing too much to improve the offence in his absence. But the Ravens get a much-needed win after a few choke jobs in recent times. Um, and they now sit at 8-4 and four and in the number three seed. But we'll see how long that lasts, depending on how long Lamar Jackson's out. Yeah, no matter how mediocre Huntley was for the entire game, you have to respect him for putting on that game-winning drive um, to end it and, you know, finally, you know, catapult themselves ahead in this contest. 
if you're a Broncos fan or if you're part of the Broncos organization or anything, if I was a part of this Broncos organization, whether it be a fan, a, t- a teammate or something, I'd be so infuriated by the fact that this defense is stopping almost all offenses and the offense can't even put up 10 points. They, they can't put up double-digit points. They can't put up a decent performance just to get over the edge against some, you know, relatively weaker sides. Like, the Ravens are on a weak side, but they're missing their best player. You should be able to score more than 10 points to win this game, and they didn't do that. It's just infuriating uh, for anyone who has some sort of compassion for the Broncos. Yep. Um, obviously, the Ravens' defense is quite stout, to say the least, but the Broncos just never really looked likely to yeah. score very much. Um, which has been a very common theme. And like you said, anyone who's got a stake in the Broncos would not be happy. On to the late window. Emilian, like you mentioned, it was a very entertaining late window with a lot of close games. Um, And it was, I feel like, for the first time in quite a while, for me at least, it was an enjoyable watch on Red Zone, just flipping between these games. Obviously, I had some stake in it myself, but regardless, um, a lot of, you know, good close games... Um, and some interesting results, as always. We'll start off with the 49ers and Dolphins. Obviously, going in, the Niners haven't faced that many great offenses, and so many were questioning their ability to um, prevent Tua's, you know, lightning Dolphins offense from, you know, scoring a lot of points. But with Tua missing two um, starting offensive tackles, including Teron Armstead, it was always going to be a bit of a tough matchup for him. But um, he still managed to put the Dolphins in a spot where they could, you know, stage a comeback in the fourth quarter. But ultimately, the 49ers defense was really solid and too strong for them, winning 33-17. to 17. But the big story was Jimmy Garoppolo exiting with a broken foot, and we hear he will now miss the remainder of the season. Obviously, Trey Lance was injured earlier in the season, so that leaves third-string quarterback Brock Purdy as the... Um, starter going forward, which is really interesting, Emilian, because he played pretty impressively, I thought, for someone who was just thrown into the fire like that um, against a Dolphins defense, which is not shabby at all. But that defense could not stop Kyle Shanahan's offense. And I think we saw a little bit of just um, Shanahan just having the upper hand on Mark McDaniel, just a lot of familiarity there. Obviously, you've also got ex-players there, like you know um, Jeff Wilson's was a key part on offense for the Dolphins. He used to play for the 49ers. So there's a lot of familiarity, which I think also played a part. But ultimately, the 49ers defense was just too strong and the Dolphins defense could not stop, you know, a third-string quarterback. Yeah, this 49ers team is one of the more well-rounded in the league. They're just missing a quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo was doing well. Um, Now that he's injured, obviously all eyes are on Brock Purdy and if he can take the 49ers to the promised land. I don't see why he can't take them for a deep playoff run because this team is definitely reliant on Chris McCaffrey and Debo Samuel in the run game and passing game alike. Um, so, and, and that defense, as you said, is so incredible that it's going to take, you know, it's going to keep some of the better offenses in the league at bay. The Dolphins scored 17 points and they're one of the more expo- explosive offenses in the league. So the defense will do its job. All Brock Purdy has to do is trust into, in Kyle Shanahan, sorry, not Kyle Shanahan. Yes, Kyle Shanahan. Sorry yes. about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know why I was thinking Mike McDaniel. So many 49ers and ex-49ers in the one game. It's basically just a 49er ball. Um, yeah, look, all he has to do is just trust in Kyle Shanahan, trust in Chris McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, and trust in himself, in himself especially. And I don't see why the 49ers can't, you know, keep winning games and making a good, yeah, playoff run. It's like you said, McCaffrey and Samuel are just those two guys there for the 49ers. They're both so good. 
I just I I hadn't seen I hadn't watched Debo Samuel in a little while and he's just like he's just so good like he's so quick but he's so physical yeah he's so physical and he's a wide receiver playing running back essentially on some plays and I'm not just saying that because you said he'd have a regression this year yeah well I mean you said the same about Derrick Henry I think we were both wrong so <laughs> but that's true that's true um but yeah just a really solid player who's yeah, it's no. just like enjoyable to watch even though I did have a rooting interest in the in the Dolphins today, it was just yeah really good to watch. Obviously, McCaffrey helps our team so much, and that acquisition is even looks even better now due to the fact that now they're going to be even lessened at quarterback than what they were before. Obviously, I agree with you um, about Garoppolo. He was you know he was. I think they could have gone to the Super Bowl again yeah. this year, potentially with Garoppolo, but it won't happen. I'm less confident in Brock Purdy just randomly showing up and being the guy. We'll see how it goes, but. A playoff run is definitely, um, you know, a potential outcome there, especially because they're already eight and four. It'd yep. be hard for them to miss now, um, but we'll see how far they go. Ram Seahawks, another one with um, a few ex, you know, players involved here and there, um, especially uh, Bobby Wagner, who um, obviously the ex Seahawks linebacker playing for the Rams. He got a, um, you know, controversial interception. Wasn't this an game. interception, <laughs> plain and simple. Um, <laughs> The Seahawks won this game 27-23, as expected, but the Rams need to make it close. Um, and I think, again, that's due to the Seahawks at times, or at most times, inability to stop opposing offenses on the ground especially. But even through the air, John Walford, who started in place of Matthew Stafford today, was pretty impressive at times in keeping the Rams in the game and kind of giving them a chance at winning, especially when they went ahead um, 23-20 to late in the fourth. But the Seahawks are really too strong in the end. Um, some key defensive plays um, throughout the game made by Tariq Woolen and especially who's you know still impressing obviously um, DK Metcalf obviously was you know showed up big as you'd hope he would as that uh, wide receiver one and yeah they got the job done and the Seahawks are currently in a playoff picture yeah look going into this game the Seahawks are very fortunate that the three best players on the Rams roster weren't playing Matt Stafford Cooper Cup Aaron Donald because Aaron Donald given Gino so much trouble today but look this is a Seahawks Rams game it's going to be tough for Seattle and fun fact this is Gino Smith's first ever go ahead touchdown with one minute left so he has not been clutch in his entire career even with the Seahawks this season uh, you're looking at the game against the Rams the game against the Raiders he wasn't clutch on those final drives and wasn't able to put the Seahawks ahead in a position to win he finally did that today um, on what was a really solid drive, just, you know, quick out routes, using the tight ends, managing the clock perfectly, and finally just throwing to DK Metcalf in a spot where only he can get it. And you know he'll be physical enough to the point where the ball won't go loose as soon as it touches his hands. Solid drive overall, solid performance. Um, also, the defense on, you know, in the running side leaves a lot left to be desired. But I still trust in, you know, the youth and the development of these young players. Cody Barton didn't have a great great day at all but he's shown flashes in the past defense Came as well at the end as well had a nice pick jordan brooks is a tackle machine and obviously you got Tariq Wall and kobe bryant um they're playing unreal and Ucheno and what an addition uh this guy's having an insane season um yeah look there's, it, it's a young defense it's a really young defense and it can only get better so and the offense is just working tyler lockett dk metcalf i think i wanted the better uh wide receiver joys in the league i put him up there with uh jalen Wall and tyreek hill like sort of T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. Uh, yeah, absolutely really fun team to watch. Kenneth Walker did get injured early on in the game. 
we don't know the severity of the injury. So if he's out for an extended period of time, that's going to hurt the, the, the team a lot just because DJ Dallas is the only guy there and he was still sick with the flu that was going around the Seahawks locker room. So not much depth at running back there, a lot of injuries there, but solid performance. Yeah, I do want to um, address a few of those points and ask you a question, but Juno Smith, I really liked his game again today. Just impressive, just seemed really reliable. Um, just a really great situation there for Seahawks fans. Yeah. Um, yes, like you mentioned with the right receivers, Metcalf and Lockett, I think you get a really, um, a really unique and intriguing combination of physicality and like more of an outside um, yeah. deep ball kind of guy like Lockett obviously um, he's not as physical as Metcalf but it's such a great balance um, because both guys can do so many great things for that offense they've got some really solid tight ends there as well in Disley yeah. and Noah Fant who's yeah, just like a really underrated you know as if the Silks didn't get enough in return from that trade they get Fant as well who is yeah he's no scrubber either um, obviously Walker I do want to address Walker because Obviously, he got injured, but before that, there was a little bit of a, um, not an altercation, but a little bit of a um, verbal between him and Jenna, which was interesting. I wasn't really, that was just interesting. What what do you make of that? Uh, If there's one coach in the NFL I trust to sort out all sorts of like, you know, heat between teammates, it's Pete Carroll. This guy is a player's coach. While I don't agree with a lot of his on-field, you know, decisions in terms of game management and all that, he knows how to handle the locker room. So... I don't think there's going to be much of a problem with Walker and Geno Smith in the future. That's something they'll sort out in the week. And if Kenneth Walker returns next week, I expect to see a good performance from him. And we saw Pete defying his age, jumping amongst (laughs) the lads pre-game. That's what I'm saying. I just worry for his blood pressure sometimes, the way he (laughs) screams like that. I, I just... He, his heart must be in really good shape because he just always looks like he's on the verge of just straining some um, internal organ or something. But yeah, I mean, anyway, he's 71, oldest coach in the league, but he acts as if he's 17. I know, he's, it's, it's, it's bizarre. He's such a youthful coach mentally. On to the Raiders and Chargers now. Um, this were, oh, two more games in the late window. Raiders, Chargers. The Raiders won 27 to 20 against the Chargers. Um, this game kind of went under the radar a bit just because we also had... Uh, Bengals, Chiefs, and 49ers, Dolphins, and obviously the Rams, Seahawks games going on in the background. But the Raiders um, now have won two in a row, and they finally looked, you know, they finally look adept offensively. <laughs> um, it's a bit late, um, too late, I think, and I think you would agree. Yep. Um, but I suppose it's good to see in terms of going to next season, you'd hope. But uh, obviously, I think ultimately there was it was more needed this season in terms of the charges. This is a really disappointing loss for them, um, especially coming off their comeback win last week. I think they've just got to get a few games ahead of a hundred. Uh, sorry, five hundred. Like they can't keep slumping back to five hundred like this. It's yep. been a disappointing season. I, I don't know if Brandon Staley's the coach going forward for them. Um, well, because this is the thing. He doesn't call plays on offense or defense. So yeah. what's he really doing? Is he, going for it on fourth says, down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go for a fourth down here. We'll go for a two-point conversion here. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is because with Justin Herbert and some of the guys you've got on defense there with Khalil Mack and Derwin James, I don't know why these are the results you're getting. Obviously, there are some injuries on the offensive line. I acknowledge that, but I still feel as if with some of these guys and Herbert, you should be getting more results. Yeah, look, Injuries have plagued them throughout the season. That's why they've been, I think, a big part of why they've been inconsistent, just because they can't get the same team out on the field each week. 
But Kidd announced back. He had a good day. Austin Eckler, I don't know why. Well, he had a decent day, not on the ground, but in the air. Um, so the players are there. I just think that today was just a really good performance from the Raiders. And this is sort of the Raiders team that everyone was expecting to see going into the season. Devontae Adams had 177 yards. Chandler Jones had three sacks. Like, these are the additions they made that are now that played at the level they were expected to. So the Raiders had a good day. The Chargers definitely faltered. Justin Herbert hasn't looked, you know, incredible all season long. He's had some good games, but at the same time, he's had some really bad ones. There's, yeah, there I is think some it's a product of the, of the offensive line. Yeah. Because they just haven't played well. Yeah. So the offensive line is definitely holding this offense back. And the defensive side of things, like they've had their moments. They're just really inconsistent. And yeah, you might be right. Maybe it's a head coaching thing to find that stability. But at this point, they're not a Super Bowl team. They're barely a playoff team. Yeah. Um, you know, and the window's running out. Like, I mean, they, they traded for Kill Mac. He's not going to be able to produce a lot for many years to come. Uh, Ken Allen's getting older. It's just, you know, their window is in the next few years before they have to start adding even more new pieces to help out Herbert and Eckler. Yep, they had a real chance to capitalize on um, the Jets' loss against the Vikings, yep. um, which we actually forgot to cover now that I think about it. Oh, Vikings beat um, the Jets. Yeah, in, in <laughs> case anyone cared, um, Mike White couldn't deliver in the final moments. Um, the Jets are 7-5, and five, but yeah, sorry about that one. Um, the Vikings are a game behind the <laughs> Eagles, but we've still got one more game left in the late winter to cover, and that was the Bengals and Chiefs in what was probably the most anticipated game of this week going in. Um, watching this one, I was really impressed by the defensive uh, approach by the Bengals. They chose not to um, blitz Patrick Mahomes a lot, which we have seen has been part of the recipe for success against Mahomes and the Chiefs offense in recent times because we know how effective Mahomes is against all that blitzes. He just gets the ball out so quickly because he has so much chemistry, especially with guys like um, Hardman and Kelsey and now we saw him connect a few times deep with Marcus Valdez-Scantling today as well. So they chose not to um, all-out blitz much against Mahomes. It was, a lot of times it was a three-man, um, and yet we still saw a lot of pressure from guys like um, Sam, Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson. And they kept the Chiefs at just 24 points, which is, I think, a really solid result for them. And obviously the offense, obviously with Joe Burrow, was still able to get um, their you know, flow going as well, you know, despite Joe Mixon being out again, Samaj P. Ryan was really impressive again in his absence. He just does a lot of good stuff for them. Jamar Chase in his return to action from injury as well did a few nice things, but it was T. Higgins again who had a really solid outing through the air. That offense is just humming right now, um, and they dropped 27 to win this one against the Chiefs and move to 8-4 and four on the season. Yep, seven straight wins for this Bengals team. Uh, obviously, and in those seven wins, obviously you didn't have Jamar Chase for an extended period of time, no Joe Mixon. And now they've got a pretty favorable schedule. Oh, not favorable. They've got the Browns next week, Buccaneers on the road, Patriots on the road, Bills at home, Ravens at home to end the season. I wouldn't they, say that's unfavorable. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty average. Like, you know, you've got some easy matchups, you've got some tough matchups. They could definitely still win the Very division. Games, if they win the division, they get a home, home game in the wildcard round. And this team in the playoffs, we saw it last year, they are really, really good. Joe Burrow, 3-0 against the Chiefs. And each one of those games has been an absolute banger. Yep. Like, can we just appreciate this new rivalry? Yeah, I, this same I, scene last year and then and again in the... Yeah, even though Joe Burrow is 3-0, I still consider this a rivalry, rivalry because each one of these games has been very close, come down to the wire. 
um, and it's just entertaining. Definitely. It's entertaining for everyone. No one can not like these games. Yep, I agree 100%. And um, following the news about Lamar Jackson's injury there um, definitely works in Cincinnati's favour going yep. forward. And they'll be looking to that uh, looking forward to that matchup with them um, later on in the season. Last game, quickly recap this one. It was the Cowboys and the Colts on Sunday Night Football or Sunday Night Snooze Fest, as I'd prefer to call it, because <laughs> that's what it was. The Cowboys demolished the Colts 54-19 to and continue um, on their way to the playoffs with another really solid performance. They moved to 9-3 and on the season. Yeah, it was, did it you was, watch this game? Uh, I watched a bit. Like, actually, I tuned in in the third quarter and it was decently close. And I swear, as soon as I, I as soon as I turned on my Game Pass and started watching the game, the Cowboys just took over. The, the defense just dismantled Matt Ryan and any one of the Colts players. I think it was on the the Mo Ali Cox fumble. I believe that's when I tuned in. And from that point on, the Cowboys just kept on scoring thirty three points in the fourth quarter. That's insane. Um, that Cowboys defense is no joke. Obviously, the Colts offense is nothing to write home about. But it's still an outstanding defensive performance from the Cowboys. And Tony Pollard is still just proving that he is the best player on this Cowboys offense. Big call. The best player? We, we, on this Cowboys offense? You yeah. said it last week. I think he's the best running back. Do you reckon he's more valuable you, than C.D. Lamb? You said best offensive player on this Cowboys team last week. I agree with you. I think he's no, more valuable uh, than C.D. Lamb That's right fair now. enough. I just did, didn't know if you agreed. I agree. 100%. I, th- I think it's tight. Because he's producing more. Defensive players, he's but. producing more. They're relying more on him than C.D. Lamb. In my opinion, fair enough. So they should, um, just yeah. It really helps though when you've got like a just two change of pace backs like that. You can just alternate in between. Yeah, solid weapons through the air as well. Um, they're having a really good season. I didn't really expect a super great season from the Cowboys this year, but they've they've just really really turned it on, especially you know in the second half of the year. Yeah, um, which is when you want to turn it on. Yeah, hundred percent. That caps off. All the games for this week, bar one, with the Buccaneers set to take on the Saints tomorrow in Tampa Bay, which, like you mentioned earlier, if the Saints win that one, then you've got a three-way tie in terms of wins in the NFC South. So that's another interesting one to follow. Um, Battle of the rejects ever, who gets to represent (laughs) the NFC South in the playoffs. But apart from that, um, that is week 13 wrapped up for you today. Um, Thank you for listening to the Touchdown Podcast. We will see you next week to recap week 14 a million we'll yep. see you then see you guys